Slaves like this man are worth 30. Anyone bid 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. I have 30. Anyone 31, 31. Sold to the centurion from Capernaum for 30 pieces of silver. Bring him here to me. Yes, master. 
Here he is, Master. Unlock the chains and take them off. But, Master, he'll escape. If he'd rather live a life of a fugitive, forever afraid of being caught, than work for me, let him escape. Take off those chains. Yes, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you. Thank you. Time we're going. Follow me. Should I guard him, Master? No. He'll escape. Master, being good to me, I'd be faithful to him. I know you will. The Jewish religion says that as we give, so shall we receive. I believe it. The Jewish religion is superior to mine. Come. I must descend for me. Yes, you've... You've been with me for quite a while now. Many... Many days, Master. Happy days. Has there been talk among the servants, or have you heard in the streets, at the marketplace, or anywhere, anything about a man named Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth? Yes, Master. Hear many things. Much talk. What do you think about him? Not proper for slave, do you think, Master? I give you permission to voice your thoughts. I beg you to. Thank you, Master. Jesus, good man. Wonderful teacher with new ideas about life, how to live, perfect world, if all do as he say. That's what I've been hearing, too. But I know not if I can believe what I hear. Seems as though there is some dissension among the leaders of Israel about Jesus, and I, uh, well, I want you to go to the sea. I think Jesus and his disciples are there, somewhere. Go where he is. Observe him. Listen to him. Then tell me what you see and hear. Arise, pick up thy bed, and walk. I command thee, evil spirit, come out of him and hurt him not. Thy faith has made thee whole. Jesus healed all those people? Entire villages healed of all sick and maimed, Master. Mm, he must be the Israelite Messiah. Jesus, son of God, all right. Master, one slave, go more than see. Hear Jesus. No. No, it's not necessary. You told me enough that I am certain he is the son of God. You are a faithful servant, and I... I appreciate it, and you shall receive your reward on earth and in heaven. Jesus say that too. Master, master, come quickly. He's very ill. Who's ill? Should I send for the physician, master? Who is ill? Your personal slave, master. Oh, yes, send for the... No, 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 you go personally and bring a physician here at once. Hurry. Your slave has the palsy. No hope for him. Luckily, he's only a slave. Now, he's very dear to me. He... Uh, he hasn't a chance of recovery? None whatsoever. I'm sorry. Good day. Hmm. He can't die. He mustn't. He's too good a man. Jesus. Jesus could heal him. I'll ask him to come here and... Oh, no, no, I can't ask him to come here. I'm a Roman citizen and a soldier. Jesus is the Son of God. He is pure. I am 
evil and wicked, not worthy that Jesus even enter my house. But Jesus can heal my servant by just saying the word wherever he is. I'll send someone to tell Jesus. But who in my household is important enough to approach Jesus and good enough to be in his holy presence? I know. I'll ask some of the elders of Israel to go, and they will, as good as I have been to them. I'm sorry, sirs, but Jesus must not be disturbed. We are elders of Capernaum. We must see Jesus at once. It's very important in emergency. Elders? All right, you may pass. Jesus, master, there is a centurion slave right here in Capernaum who is very ill, about to die. We ask thee to come with us to the centurion's house and heal this slave. Centurion? Yes, master, but this centurion is different. He is worthy. He is a friend to us and our nation. He helps us, even build us a synagogue. I will go. Master! Master! Jesus is coming! Coming? Coming here? He is but a short distance away, Master. But he mustn't come here! I'm not worthy that he said... We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. your old grandmother. Oh, Grandma, you're not old. You're just very mature. (laughs) Sounds like something your daddy would say. So tell me, sweet granddaughter, why did you come to sit on my porch on this lovely spring evening? Actually, I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be you. 
My teacher at school wants us to find some interesting characters in our town and ask them about life. Well, I'm flattered to be considered interesting. Okay, question one. What was your greatest achievement in life? That's easy. My son, your daddy, he grew up to be a fine man. Dad, he's your greatest achievement? Yep, and fruit salad. People really like my fruit salad. Fruit salad. Okay, question two. If you could live your life again, what would you do different? Hmm, that's a tough one. Probably some would say... I don't want to make the same mistakes, but it's our mistakes that teach us the most. So I wouldn't change that. And I'd spend more time praising and less time complaining. What do you mean? I'd spend more time thanking God for my blessings and less time complaining to him about my problems. Most of our problems are the result of our making bad choices. So why complain to God because we messed up? Thanks, Grandma. You know what? You are an interesting person. Jesus wants to be our friend. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Oh
boys and girls. This is Miss Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Philippians 4, 6. Shark by Catherine Rote. What a muggy day, Kevin complained as he stared out the schoolroom window. He absentmindedly swatted at a mosquito whining by his face. Glancing back at his desk, he groaned at the pile of papers to be graded. What's the matter? asked Bruce, a fellow student missionary who was sitting on the steps in the open doorway. It's too hot to be stuffed in this room. Let's go swimming or diving or anything to get outside. It's just as hot out there as it is in here. Yeah, but at least it'll seem cooler under the water. Do you want to go? No, I'm too tired. I'm glad it's Friday and school let out early. I never thought teachers had to work this hard. I'm going to go back to the house and take a nap. But if you go diving, be sure to get somebody to go with you, cautioned Bruce as he stood up to leave. As Kevin watched Bruce walk toward the mission house, he tried to think of someone else he might coax into going with him. But there wasn't anybody else on the island who knew how to snorkel. Well, I can go alone if I just float in some of the shallow water and don't go out past the breakers, he mused to himself. The ocean bottom is pretty, even close to shore. Fifteen minutes later, Kevin was running along the white sandy beach with his gear, looking for a good spot to dive in. Up ahead, he noticed that the water looked unusually dark. That meant it was deeper. It appeared to be a long, narrow ravine. Hey, that looks good. It probably isn't more than 12 feet deep in the middle, and it's shallow at one end. There should be some good fish and shells in there. Kevin sat down on the beach to put his fins on and to adjust his mask and snorkel. A voice of caution barely hummed into his ear. He knew it wasn't safe to dive alone, but he would be in fairly shallow water and nothing could really happen there. His mind wandered back to a Sabbath afternoon a few months before when, on their way home from church, he and Bruce had come across two fishermen just returning from a morning of fishing. Hanging from their belts was their morning catch. Noticing two brightly colored fish on one man's belt, Kevin and Bruce had gone up to investigate. Good morning. May we look at your catch? Bruce had asked. Sure. Nothing spectacular, but not bad for an old man. My name is Angra. My name is Kevin, and this is Bruce. We're student missionaries over at the Seventh-day Adventist School. Is that really bright one a parrotfish? Yes, I caught three this time, Angra replied proudly. Don't you worry about sharks smelling the blood from your catch and attacking you, Bruce asked. Well, we don't go out too deep, and with two of us, one is always on the lookout. There aren't many sharks around here, but you still have to be careful. As Angra finished speaking, his fishing partner came up to them from where he had been tying their small boat to the beach rock. He too wanted to show off his fine catch. He turned around slowly so that they could see the fish hanging from his belt. As he turned, Kevin and Bruce noticed that one of his arms was gone from the elbow. Angra's partner followed their gaze. Yes, I had a run-in with a shark, he told them. It was three years ago, out past the lagoon on the other side of the island. He came up behind me, and my brother, who was fishing with me, didn't see him. The shark went by my side and grabbed my arm. He pointed to the stub hanging from his left shoulder. I had my hunting spear in my other hand, and together my brother and I tried to fight him off. He made another pass at us, grabbed my string that was loaded with fish, then disappeared out into the ocean. We got a good look at him. He was a big, white-tipped shark with a deformed head. He's been seen several times since, but always on the other side of the island. 
A chill had gone down Kevin's spine as he had listened to the story. He had never really been afraid of sharks, but he had a healthy respect for them. Twice, while he and Bruce were diving, they had seen a group of small sharks way out in the deep water, circling around in the murky ocean. They had been told by the natives that sharks never come in past breakwater, so that had been their rule, not to dive very far out from the breakwater. And besides, shark attacks were rare. In fact, almost non-existent. Angra's partner was the first real attack victim they had heard about. This was too pretty a day to worry about sharks that weren't even around. The water bubbled around Kevin's legs as he waded into the dazzling blue ocean. The underwater ravine was a little to his left, and he could already tell that there would be a lot of fish in it. A bright color flashed by his feet, and Kevin plunged into the water to follow the gaudy puffer fish. Up ahead, he noticed the dim outline of a grouper, a large fish but perfectly harmless. As he swam toward it, the grouper glided away and faded from sight behind a coral head. Rolling over on his back, Kevin looked up through the water to the brilliant blue sky above. Not a cloud in sight. Some terns were circling overhead, catching the wind and riding it effortlessly. This was the life. A few powerful kicks with the fins, then a glide through the water. Up ahead, a school of fish. Watch out, too late. He crashed right through the middle, making them explode in a million flashes of silver. Below him on the sandy floor, he saw something pink. Maybe it was a trumpet shell. He had been looking for one more so that he'd have three of them to take back home to the States. Fantastic! A perfect shell. It was one of the biggest he'd ever seen. The deep pink opening of the shell gave way to its creamy outside, blending together in perfect beauty. Kevin glanced up toward the sky again and decided it was time to head back for the beach. Slowly, he made a 180-degree turn and paddled toward the shore. But there was something off to the right, over where the water was darker. Kevin couldn't make out what it was. It was very still, and from this distance, impossible to tell what it was. The shell was getting heavy. Should he swim for the beach or go investigate? Why not lay the trumpet shell down, go have a quick look, then come back for it? He dropped the shell, and it slowly sank to the bottom as Kevin swam off toward the object. Suddenly, the object moved, and as it emerged from the shadows, Kevin knew he didn't want to investigate any more. His first glance took in one horrifying detail, a deformed head. A million thoughts flashed through Kevin's head, what to do when confronted by a shark, the fastest ways to swim, if his friends would miss him, what would happen to his trumpet shell. If I can only make it to the breakwater, I'll be okay. If I can only make it to the breakwater, I'll be okay. If I can only make it to the... Kevin was kicking as hard as he could, but it didn't seem that he was moving very fast. In fact, it seemed as though he was losing ground. Looking at the seaweed flowing in the water around him, he noticed something horrifying. There was an undertow. Fear made Kevin's rubber fins move like they never had before. He felt as though he were trying to swim in a mass of jello. Progress was slow, so deathly slow. The shark followed a short distance behind, effortlessly keeping up with Kevin's frantic pace. Prayers ran circles through Kevin's mind. Kick, pray, kick, pray, kick, pray. A quick glance overhead showed the first signs of breakwater, but the shark didn't slacken his speed. He kept on coming. Kevin was now in about five feet of water. What to do? Keep swimming? or stand up and try to run in the water. The big white-tipped shark was closing the gap now, maybe realizing that the race was almost over. Pushing his feet under him, Kevin began lunging through the water. 
Waves were breaking around him, but right behind he could see the fin of the shark cutting through the white foam. He was too close. There was no way to beat him. His legs were moving in slow motion through the clinging water. His brain screamed, faster, faster, but his legs wouldn't respond. Oh God, please help me. Please, I don't want to die. Kevin heard an awful roar right behind him, and suddenly his feet were no longer touching the bottom. He could feel himself being lifted upward, carried over, almost floating. Then there was sand in his mouth, and he felt the wave breaking over him. Its roar fell to a whisper as it hissed by his body, and the foam rushed by. The wet sand felt wonderful under his palms. Kevin gulped in deep lungfuls of air as he crawled up to the beach. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Kevin didn't look back into the ocean right away, but when he did, the shark was gone. And somewhere on the bottom of the ocean lies a beautiful trumpet shell. A big white-tipped shark lazily circles around it, then disappears into the shadows of the deep. The story you have heard today is from Guide's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. Podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.